Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This My PA Podcast. Before we get to the episode, we've got a couple voicemails. First up, it's Ben Bird talking about If Day. Hey, Greg, this is Ben Bird calling. Listen to the If Day for Winnipeg episode. It was fantastic. What was interesting about that, for me at least, was having known nothing about If Day prior to the song. I initially listened to the the tune and said, man, this isn't much of a song. But then when I listened to you talk about it, read the lyrics, listened to it again, I realized how relevant, how pertinent, and how important of a song it is. All I could think about when I was listening to it was the events, horrible events in Charlottesville. And I don't think any of us will know what exactly inspired the song, but that was in my mind as I listened to it. But it was a great talk. Really enjoyed it. And keep up the good work. And then we've got another If Day voicemail from the guy who was on the episode. After listening, Chris Connaughton has some more thoughts. Here's Chris. Hey, Greg, it's Chris Connaughton. I'm calling to follow up on my own episode about If Day for Winnipeg. Boy, there's nothing like listening to yourself speak to expose your own verbal tics. I got to hear myself say right about 40 or 50 times over 90 minutes. But other than that, the episode was a lot of fun to listen to and as much as it was to do. A couple of things that we didn't get to during the episode, I realized. Noah Daniel and I were talking on Twitter afterwards, and he mentioned that the bit about breaking Godwin's law might mean that Flans was calling out the fascists immediately as opposed to letting an argument devolve into Nazi calling, and I kind of went with that in saying that when he goes, master of the obvious, I confess that he's admitting, yep, I'm going right to the Nazi comparison. Sorry, it's not clever. The other thing I realized is that we didn't talk about the relevant pages in the book book at all, which to me kind of uh, shows how quickly the actual book has left the conversation about the music. But in the book, the two-page spread has a man in a uh, light blue security guard-style button-up shirt with a clip-on tie off to the side on the collar, which who knows what that means. It's hard to interpret any of these pictures. And the typed lyrics are basically the same as in the song, except there is one typo, intentional or not, where it says, uh, now broken chairs and some thousand-yard stairs and thoughts no one dared say out load instead of loud. So that's all I could find in the book. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I look forward to hearing more episodes. Bye. On that point about the book, book getting forgotten, uh, we'll be shining a light on it, the book that is, on a Patreon episode that is recording on Sunday and will probably be out the week after... 
There will be a free portion, of course, but I've got a crew of, uh, let's see, I got one poet and I got three photographers and me, whatever you want to call me, music person, I guess. We're going to be talking about the book, The Visual Elements. So, yeah, head to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast to get on board with that. We also just aired the They'll Need a Crane covers Spectacular. And, uh, yeah, there's other cool stuff over there. Uh, if you want to get in the mailbag, call 224-801-2930. Again, that number is 224-801-2930. Or email me at pod at gmail. Now, on to the episode, I Broke My Own Rule. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I am here with a good friend of the show, Mari Morton, returning uh, for the fifth time, second song episode. And we're going to talk about I Broke My Own Rule off of book. Everything's wrecked, everything is wrecked, smashed up, destroyed, smashed up. Uh, that's how I started my email. What up? I don't know why P was the letter I chose to repeat. What up? How you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. Like I said, I could probably yeah. use some coffee or some tea or something, but I'm doing all right. So you're in the middle of traveling right now? Yeah. Um. I I just saw Sparks. Oh. Yeah. Last night. Like like yeah like. Not last night, but the night before. Yeah, I saw Sparks. Um, I saw Elton Brown last week, and I'm going to go see Trixie and Katya in a couple of days. So I'm going on multiple like tour runs. You know, like very cool. And you're in and I, Nashville I right now. Definitely also having the runs while on tour. <laughs> it always happens. <laughs> That's what happens when you eat nothing but turkey. But like right, right. And you don't care. Are you in Nashville? You don't, you don't even care your body. But right. you almost want to eat your poop because it smells so good. <laughs> oh, wait. You're not in Nashville. Where are you? <laughs> I'm in Chattanooga right now. Chattanooga. So that is on Eastern time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Tennessee is like split in half or something? Coca-Cola themed place at the moment. Yeah. The I can tell it's an Airbnb because they got a cheesy sign behind you. What does that say? Enjoy. What's that say? Coca-Cola. Enjoy this moment. 
in for this moment. <laughs> oh, it's like when I talked to uh, Alex. Did you get a chance to listen to the Alex Italics uh, oh, I episode? Know that came out. Yeah, I'm re- I, I want to listen to that. I was just listening to Lady and Gentleman earlier. His uh, his first band. Ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a funny but could be confusing name. That's pretty hilarious. You get on stage. Ladies and gentlemen, we are ladies and gentlemen. Yes. I like that. Yes. Yeah, we, t- we talked about music for sure, but uh, yeah, about Alex's whole career, basically, schooling and career, and it, it was a really interesting one. Uh, so we're here to talk about a different book song, though, and people... Before we get into that, people would have heard you tell your fandom tale way back on the Take Out the Trash episode, which I, I just went on my spreadsheet and I did a command F to search your name. Probably like four years ago. I, yeah, I did a command F of your name and you're on here 11 times. So let's see. Uh, some of them are repeats because it has the ones we recorded and then the ones you had reserved from way back. Take Out the Trash was October 24th of... Must have been 20, 2019. Yes, would have been 2019. Uh, so that is a long time ago for a regular episode. But you were, even before that, the first thing you were on was actually uh, the very first miscellaneous trans episode, which was April 6th of 2019. Then we did Take Out the Trash in the Fall. Then you were on the Accordion Team episode uh <laughs> september of 2020 we got we got some friends on this yeah. episode too with talk about from the year 14 yeah. episode right it's, it's all and, <laughs> <accordion> dorks <laughs> we got to know each other pretty quickly after i launched the podcast and due uh, to that you had a large advantage in accessing the spreadsheet that was back when i even had the spreadsheet editable to anyone i sent the link to they could go in and put their own name on the song until i told the story a long time ago until someone hijacked my spreadsheet and deleted stuff and i had to lock it down (laughs) that person shall not be named some people know who i'm talking about but so you had the advantage of getting to pick a lot of tracks. You went on there. I think you even snagged more than I told you to. But that's okay. Yeah, I am this more one, yeah. To talk about the songs eventually. No one else is going to do it. <laughs> there are ones that you've had reserved for three years now, but we we jumped to "I Broke My Own Rule" because we're just also excited to talk about these book tracks. New songs. There's new songs. Yeah. But the ones you have reserved for some time down the line are The Famous Polka, Letterbox, Narrow Your Eyes, How Can I Sing Like a Girl. Okay, there's Take Out the Trash. We did that one. Okay, so it's those. So you've got, yeah. what was that, four? You've got you've got four more songs already. I don't know, but I've already talked about a lot of those songs. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if you say, wanted to. Polka, you know, it's a Milwaukee thing, so like... You know about the Milwaukee incident. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you talked about that on the uh, uh, the uh, accordion episode, which was a Patreon episode. So there's only like 55 people that uh, would have heard that. Well, and I suppose some people that have left the Patreon. Anyway, if under 100 people would have heard you talking about it. We'll do it all eventually. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, if you wanted to relinquish some of those songs and if there are other ones that were are hotter in your, your brain right now that you'd rather talk about, you could you could swap out stuff and leave those open to someone else. Yeah, whatever you want. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the song we're supposed to talk about. I guess. 
Where do we start? Well, I broke my own rule uh, was the second song that people heard from Book. Now, uh, I lost Thursday. I did that episode about a month ago. That was the first thing people heard. And at first, that one we talked about on that episode, but people just thought it was, I just thought it was just like a standalone song. They're just like, here's a song we wrote. We haven't put out anything in a while. And then eventually they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this album. It's called Book. And guess what? You've already been hearing the first single for six months or whatever. <laughs> so I broke my own rule felt more like the first single to me. I don't know about you because it was the one that came out fresh knowing that it would be a part of this album. And uh, it went to IFC people like a month before it went to the public. You're on IFC again this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we got it. Um, you know, if I search my email, I think I can find out exactly. I want to, I want to say it was the end of May. Yeah. When yeah, yeah. we but got it, was, it. It was literally when I was, the thing that is so weird about this song is I got it like right when I was checking in a rehab. Yes. Um, so, uh, yes. I So I know, yes, we've been keeping up and talking about this song and personal things for a long time when we're finally recording this episode. But uh, on May 3rd, the IFC people got to hear it and I loved it immediately from that first hint of the reverse reverb and then everyone else got to hear the it reverse on, reverb, uh, right like june 1st yeah yeah so a month later so did you check it out right away when you got that email sometimes i miss stuff and it goes to like I, my promotions I, tab it, or something i was, was kind of like on vacation and i did this whole thing where i said i don't care i'm gonna make the same mistake i've made over and over again you know um mm. And and I totally did. I, I said, I literally told my friend Rafe, you know, I don't care if I die. And I just drank and drank and drank until I vomited blood again. You know. Yeah, I, I remember calling you shortly after that. And that was that yeah. was that was really bad. And then I was like, I broke my own rule. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, and literally, this has been the anthem of my my rehab experience ever since. And I I've had slip ups, and every time that I have a tiny slip up where I'm like, oh, I go out and drink one day or something, like it's happened like three or four times since then, and I I feel like crap every time. But like, yeah, whatever. I'm not trying to be judgmental toward people who do drink and are responsible or anything. It's just that like I'm not like I come from a family where this is just like a part of our genetic makeup where you're an uh -huh. addict. Um, like my dad uh -huh. has always just been an alcoholic and a heroin addict like his whole life, you know? Jeez. So, that's nuts. so that's, like, were you witnessing that kind of thing when you were a kid? I mean, were you around that well, or yeah, did he hide it well enough? Heroin that you didn't and know? everything and uh, drinking all the time, you know? But did you know as a kid, or was he able to hide it you from could, you? No, you could tell. You could yeah. tell he wasn't right. Like, mm. he didn't seem like he was normal. So, Did he get help for it? No, he never has, and he still hasn't. So it's, nice. it's, still, it's still like a, a struggle. Um, actually, he just got kicked out of his pain management program because he tested positive for fentanyl. Because he was taking Jesus. pills that he was getting from strangers that had fentanyl in them. 
Yeah, that's that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, so like that's that's my life. Wisconsin. <laughs> like <laughs> whatever. Like, what else what else are you gonna do? Wisconsin is known for uh being a heavy drinking about, like a thousand <laughs> miles away or almost or something, like seven hundred miles away, but it's still you know, it still haunts me all the time. Yeah. And they weren't yeah. there to support me or anything, but I thought about this lot all the time. I thought about it. I told you. Um I when I was first going through um my beginning stages of recovery, I was going to ketamine therapy. That was right. something mm-hmm. that I tried. And I, I actually yeah. listened to this song on ketamine, which I don't know if you know I've never done any drugs. I would not know anything about how any of those things feel. So I don't know if it's if it's describable. It felt like I was floating at outer space listening to the Happy Giants. Like I felt like I was literally the squid and the whale on the cover of Apollo 18, but listening to I Broke My Own Rule. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like outer space. Whoa. So ketamine is uh I mean it's for depression, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it can be used for like um, severe depression, manic depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's um, how is it administered? It's not a pill, is it? It's an injection. Injection. Yeah, yeah. They, they give you an injection in your arm, and then you. So it's <laughs> like a more serious kind of antidepressant than just one you would get pick up at the pharmacy oh but it, it's like it's like a thing where you're in a controlled environment and everything like yeah when it, okay when, the, yeah. when it's affecting you right under a doctor's care yeah and um, I, no. I i i don't think it helped completely like i think the the medication that i got put on eventually has been a lot better in the long run but i do think ketamine mm-hmm. helped me look at things from a different perspective and it helped in a bit you know so it's got some like, it's not considered a psychedelic, but it has some of those those things, right? It, it, it was psychedelic, and it was it was kind of like drug trip. <laughs> it's not drug trip, but it, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's got to be kind of weird to have like, uh, like hallucinatory type things when you're at a doctor's office. It's not something that normally would happen yeah exactly it's it's kind of weird to go to like a psychiatrist and get administered an injection that makes you hallucinate and, and things you know but and now you've got all these they, people they talking me, about microdosing and all this shit told me don't listen to music with words in it really well i listen to mostly like ambient moby <laughs> okay <laughs> like because he put out like you know 48 yeah. hours of ambient music, whatever. <laughs> and I liked all that weird ambient Moby stuff. I got really into Moby this summer. But, like... Uh, I probably would have gone for, like, Sonic Youth, some, like, their, some of their soundtracky type stuff that they did that would have been for cool a while if there. I put them on, like, a, a playlist or whatever, like, if I had set it up. But um, yeah. I, I really made a point of one of my appointments where I was on ketamine, like, in the middle of my my therapy, I had like uh, like three or four sessions where I was on mm-hmm. it. It was it was like the second or third, I think it was the third one, like not last one. It was the third one out of four. Um, I I listened to 
I broke my own rule, like repeatedly. I remember mm-hmm. like this, you know, like boop, 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 and like going back and just playing it. Yeah. And so this was May or June. This was like uh, June, July. Yeah. And okay, so it was when only I lost Thursday and this song were the only things from book yeah. that we had heard. And, so and yeah, was, I, I listened to it repeatedly as well. It was really fast. Not not under any influence of drugs though. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that like on ketamine, it was really fascinating, especially with the like like you mentioned the the um the like backward reverb stuff. Yeah. Like that like It's a little trippy. It is trippy and it's like and then you're tripping on top of it. <laughs> like uh it is fun to play with. I'm a big fan of uh Working digitally. Now, I have been once, no, twice have recorded analog. Now, you've fucked with four tracks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, that is the most simple DIY way. way. Fucking Dolly Parton record that he's threatened. The rock and roll record. Dolly Parton's rock and roll record. He threatened to make on Twitter. Steve Albini. Yeah. People people have no idea what we're talking about. This is some real indie rock uh, (laughs) gossip mag kind of stuff well dolly parton definitely huge name not indie rock but tried to remove her name from the rock and roll hall of fame nominations and they basically said this is pretty rude they're basically just like no we already voted you they said they said they're gonna put her in there well they're gonna keep her on the nominations and she'll most likely get voted in i mean everyone loves dolly parton she musically even if you don't know that much about her music she's just an awesome person you know she as I mean, not to mention Dollywood, but like her philanthropy and stuff, and oh, she she donates books and everything. Like I yeah. remember reading her Code of Many Colors books when, like, I, like mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, you know, like reading Dolly yeah. Parton books when I was a little tiny kid. Like you read those to your children, like. <laughs> I don't know if you need to apply for it or what the process is there, but I think what is it the the organization she runs? They send you a new kids book every month or something like that for free mm-hmm. right that's that's bonkers that is just so amazing and yeah so she's probably gonna get into the rock and roll hall of fame but this is a huge tangent but she was like i've never made a rock and roll record so she's kind of approaching it from a lot of people's uh complaints about the rock and roll hall of fame at least like mostly boomers who are, who are into classic rock will be like well NWA is a rap group. They're not rock and roll. And I kind of, I kind of appreciate that. Or like, like run. They're in it, right? In there and everything, right? Like, there's like a whole bunch of shit where they would be cranky, but yeah, anything. But Devo yeah. is in there. And they're angry because Devo's from Ohio yeah. and the Rock and Roll Hall is in Ohio. And they have Devo stuff on display, but they won't admit Devo into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Is Perubu in there yet? It's another awesome Ohio... Perubu? Born Bane. Yeah, are they no. in the Rock Hall yet? Hell no. No. Mm. Okay, NWA was, in, was inducted in 2016. Hey, you know, I, I only subscribe to a few Patreons, and two of them are... They might be a podcast and Perubu. Oh, Perubu has Patreon. Good yeah, for it, they yeah. do live videos. So nice, nice, nice. Yeah, cool. Let's um, get back into the song, though. Right? So yeah, so 
But I guess just to finish that story, she said, I've never made a rock and roll record, but I want to. And then Steve Albini just like out of nowhere is like, hey, Dolly, let's do it. I'll yeah, produce it. <laughs> and everyone's like, hey, oh, Dolly it's not going to happen. Like analog recording. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it, it would be like Rick Rubin doing all those records with Johnny Cash or, I mean, that kind of Weezer boosted his career back into. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, as far as like a country uh, person well, making yeah, a record Johnny with. Cash. Well, um, I, we actually, with a producer, we, you wouldn't we think. We drove yeah. past, I guess, the island that had the cave in it that Johnny Cash had his his iconic um, like moment where he like found he had a spiritual moment, and that's mm-hmm. when he stopped doing like alcohol and drugs and everything. He was, he was uh, in, a, in a cave. And we like drove like right past that island. We we're trying to figure out which one it was, which island that had the cave because it's closed off. At this point in time, oh. you can't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But he, yeah. like, mm-hmm. whatever, like 50 years ago or so, he went into that cave and he had a spiritual moment. Ah, I forgot about that and, bit of and that's, history. that's where he cleaned himself up after that, going into that cave. The uh, Okay, so I broke my own rule. So back into your, your personal journey and struggles uh, going along with lining up with this song. Um, it came out when I went into rehab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you, you you breaking your own rule as far as drinking goes. So how you said you've drank a few times since then. You've broke your own rule a few times since then and now. It's been like ten months since the song first came out. How 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 are you doing right now? How do you have do you count your days of sobriety? Um well I can say that I screwed up really bad on St. Patrick's Day. Right before I went to go see Alan Brown, I got a real jerk on vodka. Oh boy! I just, I just oh went boy. balls to the walls. Like, well, how did it go with Elton Brown then? I mean, oh, you, no. you were still I was, I was tipsy. By the time I got there, it was, okay. it was like the yeah. afternoon. I got really drunk, and then I went to the show, and it was fine. And I got to talk to him, and I asked him about what he thought about like vegan food, like. And, uh-huh. and COVID and how everything like combines with people just like trying new food and how he thinks it's de- developing like home cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever. Cool. Was, like, I can't even remember exactly what I said or exactly what he said, but he was really cool about it. And his wife also said, that's a really great question. Like, cause she has a, cool. a gluten thing. Ah. She's celiac, so yeah. Um, you know. I can't say I know all that much about Elton Brown. Our we got to meet our favorite fancy chef, Rick Bayless. I told you about this over Messenger because my parents did a uh, they bid on it at a charity auction for uh, breast cancer research. Um, my mom's a breast cancer survivor, so they they've donated a lot to those causes over the years, and um, they bid on this. I still, you know, I could probably ask them, and they'd tell me today, but I've never actually asked them how much it cost them to win that auction. But it was it was four people getting to uh, meet Rick Bayless, dine with him, and learn some of his recipes hands on. So the we cooked in his test kitchen, which is above. I don't know how much you know about Rick Bayless, but maybe yeah. you've had Frontera brand yeah, yeah, stuff, I'm which is his player. brand. Uh huh. Yeah. So he has three restaurants that are all in the same uh, block in Chicago. There's Frontera, which is kind of like the medium priced. Well, I mean, it's still 
a pretty ritzy restaurant. But then there's Topo Labambo next to it, which is the really expensive, fancy one. And then there's uh, Zocha, I think is the name of um, the, it's more like a street food type thing where you walk in, you just walk up to the counter and order. Right. And that's the one that's, uh, you know, more affordable. Right. And I have still not been to Topolabama, but I've been to the other two. And Frontera is where we went uh, with Rick Bayless. But first we went up to his test kitchen, which is right up above that. So he's got like this whole building. And on the second floor, we were in this test kitchen with his uh, head chef uh, who taught us how to make all this amazing stuff. And a lot of it is not vegan friendly, but we made like bacon guacamole we made ceviche we made <laughs> it was so good it had, it had, yeah it had like basically yeah and we cooked the bacon and chopped it up it had uh pumpkin seeds in it i don't know it was oh really, yeah really it good. had yeah but yeah but we learned all these cool tricks like there's still uh, the way i cut onions is is the way that I was taught that about a decade ago, um, how to cut them without it just being all over the place where you keep the butt end of the onion intact. You slice towards the butt end without quite getting to it. And then you've got basically this perforated onion that then you yep. chop, you know, horizontally to, to get and like when she showed us that, like even just little stuff like that. I'm like, holy shit. Like, revol- you, know. you know, so they were t- yeah. things that they learn. In culinary the prep stuff. How, to, how to cut food yeah. or whatever like yeah it seems yeah. basic but it really changes how you cook it doesn't it like, does yeah because i'm not a very fast chef prep cook or whatever so that that, that was like oh, shit. nothing about food doesn't he say that he likes, <laughs> just cereal he likes macaroni and cheese for one place Right. If his wife's not around, it's just all cereal. <laughs> it's like macaroni and cheese with like some grilled chicken in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, then then we had dinner with Rick Bayless and his wife, and it was super cool. It wasn't awkward at all. He's super friendly, and we had a lot of stuff to talk about because well, my wife is, you know, she's a she wasn't yet a Spanish lit professor, but she was well on her way. She was, I believe, into her PhD a little bit. So they talked a lot about you know mexican uh food on like a deeper level because she's gone there so much i've been there a little bit too just and you you know you eat a lot of amazing food and then you know during the day she's you know at some library with white gloves you know studying uh texts that are super old and um and uh, rick bayless and his wife do ballroom dancing and my parents were doing a lot of that at the time so they had that to talk about it was super cool and then he sent us home with like four free cookbooks and my parents got drunk off margaritas. They were like $15 a pop, you know, <laughs> it was a great time. Uh, yeah. So you, you, uh, Elton Brown seemed like a, a cool, cool guy. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, uh, um, he, I don't want to spoil anything, but he said, fuck air fryers. I have this thing that has like 50 heat guns attached to it that will make chicken wings. Oh. So, so he's got a new uh, a new uh, appliance that we'll be able to buy. Oh my god, the whole place was filled with like literally chicken wing smoke, and I was like, oh my god, this is so gross. As a vegan, <laughs> like I was, I was in the second row, and I was like, yeah, you could see like the the grease just billowing <laughs> out the thing, like coming out toward you. And I was like, oh my god, this could be so nasty. Jeez, yeah, I don't know if I'd want that if it's going to stink up your whole it house. Had like a chicken grease, like 
<laughs> lotion on them or something afterwards. Well, I don't know about this appliance. Then, who's your favorite vegan chef? One final point on on the food food tip. Who's your favorite vegan, vegan chef? chef? I would, I um, a lot of people don't call themselves chefs, but um, sure. My, my friend Chef Sky, um, uh-huh. he he has like an entire lit entire thing of vegan cookbooks. Um, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what is his last name? It's it's uh, if you look up like um the. Oh gosh, I'm I'm having a total brain fart. Um, uh, let's see, Sky Conroy. Yeah, yeah. There we go. He, he, call, he calls himself like the the vegan something or other. Um, the gentle chef. Vegan the gentle chef. Or, That's what yeah. it is. The gentle chef. Be like Sky Conroy, the the gentle chef. That might yeah. be my favorite vegan chef, technically. We get a lot of recipes from Cookie and Kate. Are you familiar with Cookie and Kate? No. Um, it's a lady named Kate, and her her dog is named Cookie. But it's all uh, it's vegetarian, I believe. Some stuff might be vegan, but my, my we other, actually make a lot. My of other favorite vegan chef, and I think vegan Risha or Re, Re, mm. Risha. I I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she's mm-hmm. an Indian uh, lady who converts all of her family's traditional Indian recipes to be completely vegan. So oh. anything like they're already okay. vegetarian, but like she will use vegan yogurt instead of regular yogurt and do all mm-hmm. kinds of things. And her recipes are just out of this world. She doesn't just make Indian food. She makes sure. all kinds of food. And her nice. web her website is incredible. If you look up the vegan vegan reach a website or whatever like it's it's amazing so now to segue back into the story we were going with uh you know i've dealt with a lot of depression too we always we've talked about this it's bonded over a lot episode just because of our mental illness right 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 how do, so how uh what are your eating habits like when you're depressed are you one of those people that doesn't eat anything or you I eat barely a lot eat or i uh-huh. eat garbage yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, I would. I would definitely say I eat. Uh, I, th- I think I eat more when I'm depressed. I wouldn't say I don't have any big fluctuations in any huge fluctuations in weight or anything due to my medications, luckily, or my eating habits. But you know, a few pounds here or there. And then when skate season starts back up, I lose the weight again. So I'm working on that right now. Just had a, a little session between rain storms yesterday. <laughs> so I broke my own rule. You were. Um, so how did you feel after the the ketamine thing? Did you have uh, a little little respite from um, all the shit? Then it was it was really interesting to listen to that song um the ketamine because like yeah. the re- you mentioned the like uh, the reverse reverb stuff mm-hmm. you know, the backward mm-hmm. reverb like that that really like when you're tripping or whatever like you are yeah. and i mean that really just yeah <laughs> it feels it feels like spatial instead wow. of it just being like a thing that you hear it feels like damn it literally like you close your eyes and you're like in outer space and the song feels like it's moving around you that's insane. you know yeah, that does sound tempting, but you know, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Beach Boys fan, and that's always worried me that with with the brain misfirings and stuff that I've already got going on, that I would fuck myself up further, like 
Like that's one of the, well, the was, things that they think about that happened to Brian Wilson is that he had a couple bad trips and and stuff altered his brain chemicals that, and it fucked him. I up. was I was tripping under. I was I was literally sitting in a psychiatrist's office. Oh sure sure sure. I'm not saying you get it from ketamine. I would not recommend that anyone do ketamine just on their own. Yeah, apparently you can get like, it as a powder. Well, and it, stuff on the street. I, I, I like the thing is, I did mushrooms one time. It I it made me very angry because it could have been mm. a really good experience, but it was bad. Mm. I my friends turned on fucking Bill and Ted's bogus journey. That's not how thoughts when you're on mushrooms. <laughs> but like, yes, the, but like wow. whatever you know. Like I I've learned my lesson just from that one time. The one time I did mm-hmm. mushrooms. I said, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that ever again. I wasn't sure if uh, I, I don't want to do LSD ever. I don't think like, yeah, that's fucked up. Brian Wilson. Yeah. Cause that really, no, thank you. Really scares me. Yeah. The only drugs I take are all prescribed. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's totally understandable. Um, I, I really even use, I sometimes I take like Delta eight edibles and stuff from mm-hmm. time just cause it, Helps a little bit with my anxiety and it, it like mm-hmm. it's a nice little relaxation. It's not drinking, you know, right. but um, like even that is sometimes too much, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I accidentally take like a, just a little bit too much. Some things you can't take it away when you take it out of a You take it too much, you just took too much. So it's like, oh crap, oh, I just gotta ride it out. Yeah. That's not yeah. feeling. Um no thank you. God, I remember, you know, the rock and roll lifestyle. I've never been a full-time musician, but I remember going on tour. We ended up in fucking Reno, Nevada with my band Blue Bottle and Reno is a real shithole. Have you ever been there? It's awful. Yeah, my, awful. My Okay, you're you're going to lose what? You're going to lose your shit. Uh, my mom is adopted, right? But okay. she found her biological mother. She owns a casino in fucking Reno. Wow. Yeah. And she yeah. and she won't talk to any of us. Hmm. So I don't know. You could have yeah. been to my grandma's casino in Reno. <laughs> it's possible. I've never been a big gambler and I don't put any big money on things because I don't I don't consider myself good at it. And again, I feel like I'm not in control of I, my I'm, wait, I'm more finances. Like <laughs> new boot. New boot goofing. I'm I'm more of a international <laughs> one person. Honestly, Hell yeah, yeah. Well, the point of that story was that we were in Reno and we were playing like all the crazy places you play as a small time musician. It was a billiards hall that we played, and we we just wanted to make gas money. It was like we were a fucking seven piece band with horns and all this. Right. And had two minivans driving. Like it was not a financially uh, lucrative. It was, well, that's, yeah, that's what people always assumed at the time. It's like back in high school, we did have a couple of ska songs, but our guitarists were way too bored of just playing that. It was more kind of, emo punk post-punk influenced stuff with horns so if you think of like rocker from the crypt probably more along those lines you know rock with horns but yeah so the the guy after the show i think we played on the sidewalk in front of the place it was like a strip mall or something and then they're like oh yeah we you know since we didn't charge cover we can't really give you that much and they hand us like maybe 20 bucks and then like a bag of weed 
And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? We can't fill the gas tank with this. And like, out of the seven I'm guys. i for gas with a bag of weed. God damn it. Yeah, like now I got to go and be a drug dealer and sell this to make gas money. Now, I think our our one of our trombonists, I think, was probably the only one who with any regularity smoked. I think maybe well, three of the seven guys went to the van and smoked it. Tromboner. Is there something funny about the word tromboner? The, so, um, should we talk about the musical elements or the lyrical elements yes. first? What would you like to focus on? Um, let's talk about the musical elements first. Can we sure. go into like um, the, the covers and everything too? Like, uh, We're going to save the covers. All right. That goes later. All right. Those will go later. All right. Um, uh-huh. The, the musical elements. Where, where do you want to start? Well, I think the thing that uh, popped out to me the most when I very first heard it, my very first impression, I said I love this song right from the start, is just the um, ascending melody, just like climbing, 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 um, in, in a simple way, scale-wise fashion. But right off the bat, the way that the, the intro starts, and he's playing piano in rhythm with his vocals and so you can't really tell that there's going to be this polyrhythmic syncopation thing going on until you know danny and marty come in with the the rhythm section playing just a normal four four and you find out that there's this weird uh, combination of rhythms going on at the same time between his vocals and the uh, guitar and a toy piano later play it which is cool uh against the rhythm of the <clears throat> you know the mid-tempo kind of rock beat that the rhythm section is doing and I loved that immediately. The vocals are really like a whole thing on their own. They could just be a whole yeah. different song, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not even just the first part you hear. It's the whole song. Like, mm-hmm. it just... It's a workout. And I'll, when, <laughs> when we talk about the cover I did at the BPM, I did it. Holy cow. Like, this song... I was actually talking to Carrie Hearn, uh, who was talking about... She was getting over... Uh, laryngitis bronchitis i don't know one of those horrible things that fucks up your voice and going to record a cover for the show synopsis for latecomers she's going to record one and she's like i gotta wait until my voice sounds better i said hey when you're ready use i broke my own rule as a vocal warm-up because it is just amazing for that it's just uh it's a scale it's scale wise it's in the key of c no it was like oh i transposed it into a different scale it had nothing to do with my vocal scale uh uh, oh. Yeah, he put it in G. He put it in G. He's like, I did fine until the last note. It was too low. Uh, but yeah, it, it goes from C and uh, past, past the high C. <laughs> from C past the high C. It goes, uh, yeah, I guess nine steps. So it goes from... <laughs> so it goes n- uh, ninth, climbs up uh, within a ninth... Uh, interval and it does it again it, and it is vocal it, gymnastics honestly it is that you know Linnell's really shown his range because like talking about songs like well like climbing the walls which i've performed a bunch with with cover bands over the years that one like he is covering like almost two octaves worth of notes within that song mm-hmm. really shows his his vocal prowess and even though it is scales like this guy Ethan Rosa, who I've become, you know, you know, kind of friends with uh, through the community and social media, he um, commented on something I talked about. I was trying to defend. I broke my own rule because a lot of people don't like it for some reason, and 
I'm like, oh, but this vocal part is just so catchy. He's like, wait till you learn about the major scale. And he was totally giving me crap because he knows I'm a music teacher. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not just, it's not just that. And the rhythm against the chord progression, how it fits in with the chord progression, how the scales kind of, they start at C, but then they the start at they E. Start with the reverse reverb and everything, it makes it all too. just like listenable. It's a combination of stuff, yeah. And that rhythm, like I said, <clears throat> and I was kind of trying to figure it out, the rhythm I was listening uh, to the original, but I figured it out better when I sang the cover, is that sometimes, depending on the lyrics and the syllables, sometimes he's going almost in a, a perfect quarter note triplet against uh, the band, and other times it's more of like a dot a quarter, dot a quarter, eighth, which uh, me and one of my friends we call that high school triplets where it's like dun 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 like it's not completely even it almost sounds like triplets but it's syncopated but not exactly even and i'm like what is this because i kept trying to like go figure it out i'm like it's well that one okay that one felt like triplets but that one didn't so it but either way there's this cool syncopation going on sometimes quarter note triplets sometimes a dot a quarter dot a quarter eighth um but it's super cool, and I I love that. Just the rhythmic gymnastics is the way you said it, which I think is is uh, perfect. So cool. He, oh, he's he's just performing gymnastics. Yeah, rhythmically, like with with, with even the tone that he's singing in and everything. Like it just everything is like is this where it actually? It's not where it goes normally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like. It's just kind. Everything's kind of just a little bit this way or that way, or just like a little bit off. And yeah, talking about a little bit off, he actually twists things a little bit where it's like, yeah, well, it's a major scale. But then um, when you get to the "I broke my rule, I broke my own rule," he throws in a C seven chord, which puts a B flat in there. B flat is not in the key of C, so he's throwing in an accidental. So when it gets to, uh, so yeah, it goes. Yeah. So yeah. then that B flat comes. So instead of uh, I broke my rule, I broke my, oh, <laughs> I broke my rule, I broke my own rule, and yeah, right there. Hey, look, he's he's already twisting it. He's like, here's this thing that seems simple. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and then into this, uh, what are the descending parts? There's a part where he throws in an F sharp too on one of the descending parts I'm playing right now. Might, might be the bridge. Yeah, what? What happens when? What happens when? When the freedom? Yeah, uh, a cost you can't afford to pay. Yeah, it yeah. going on the way down. It hits an F sharp instead of an F natural. So he's still hitting those accidentals. But he and- does that John Linnell thing that just like so much of the time I get annoyed because I'm just. Oh. <laughs> John Linnell just like follows scales. He does like the John Linnell thing. It's like doo But like, sometimes I get a little bit bored. But when he writes a song like this, where I go, whoa, whoa, yeah. that chord <laughs> went there. Whoa. Like, that's what makes me love this song so much mm-hmm. is the fact mm-hmm. that he just does that sort of thing. And he does this a, a bunch of times on the album where he'll start out with like, oh, that's like a familiar chord progression. That's so boring. But then he fucks with it. Like Alex and I talked about the uh, wild thing sounding chord progression uh, and rhythm of 
I can't remember the dream. Uh, but then we broke it down how the verses, the way he, um, the length of each chord repetition, the verses are nine measures long, which is very unusual for a rock song. Everything's usually in fours, eights, sixteens, nine measure verses. So again, you're like, oh, well, this is just a one, four, five chord progressions. Well, he's still fucking with it. And this, again, it's a one, four, one, five, one, four, one, five, but then he puts in that C7. Uh, so he's taking the one chord and making it a seventh chord, which is not a usual thing to do. Usually you'd make the fifth a, a seventh chord. And you get a lot of other chords, D minor. Uh, yeah, and D minor, D7. I love John Linnell. A minor, E minor. The climb to the top of the Statue of Freedom from Gravity. That chord progression is one, two, three, four, five chords long. It's a five chord long, so it resets in a very odd place in the lyrics. And again, I didn't notice this until I covered it. So A minor, E minor, F, C, D minor, A minor. So it resets before it gets to the, and you're at the liberty to jump. And it's uh, very odd. You don't notice it when you're listening, maybe, but it's tough to play. Oh, well, I mean, I, I heard... Um, you know, Noah's cover, uh, mm-hmm. both versions of Noah's cover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just working through it, and even like the the timing and figuring out where to play all the chords and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's it's a hard song to play. Like anybody who tackles that song, fucking kudos to you. Seriously, yeah. because- it's it's not simple, Ethan. It's not simple. <laughs> like I, I, I like the free time that Noah did on on like both versions. They're not perfectly. Yeah. You know, like yeah, uh, I'm excited I'm for this cover section. Thing. I like the free time, but it, yeah. it's it, like the, yeah, the first version you can see it was kind of like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. How does this work? <laughs> Linnell makes you think like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, we are really teasing this cover section heavy. It's gonna be it's a good one, folks, because it's 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 one by me and then by two friends, Daryl and Noah, and all three of ours are very different. Uh, but before that, we need to talk about the lyrics of this song. So should I play so you, you've already talked about your face. Yeah. So you talked about how immediately it, it, it struck you as something you were breaking your rule about drinking. Let's play the clip from the Creative Control podcast where Linnell talks about the very specific, the more kind of broad feeling of the song and then the very specific meaning it has to him, which is much less of a heavy uh, issue than what <laughs> you were talking about. Yeah. So let's listen to Creative Control, and that's with K's. Speaking of... Um, is that from a uh, is that from a rocket from the crypt song? Uh, creative control with uh, the host is Vishkana. Yeah, Vishkana. Uh, and let's listen to Linnell talk about it on episode six hundred and forty six. I got a while to get there of creative control. I, uh, the song uh, the right. song I broke my own rule features a lyric: jump from the top of the absence of responsibility and float into emptiness. Which to me, that's like. A lot of what kind of criticisms we have right now about our lot in life has to do with people abdicating their responsibility. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can, I can speak to that a little bit about that song. I would say I like everybody's interpretations 
of all our stuff because I think it, they're intentionally open ended yeah. and, and it's, it's good if it suggests all sorts of things. That's actually a good result. But, but for my own part, I would, I would say that I broke my own rule is really a more of a personal song about failing to, to meet your own, uh, standards and that kind mm. of maybe just to return to the theme of being uptight, like the idea that you, 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 you set standards for yourself and then there's this heartbreaking thing where you, you realize nobody else maybe even cares, but you didn't execute, you know, some, something in the way that you, normally do and and you feel like you know what i mean there's a kind of a sense of this is how i feel all the time this is how i feel every day i'm like what am i doing why do i do it yeah absolutely i agree yeah yeah so that's really what that that one's about is that that sort of you know like for example i have an obsession with keeping the kitchen counter clean and it drives me crazy when i fail to do that like i'm you know i come into the kitchen i realize like i've left a mess and i'm the one who's usually the the kind of you know doctrinaire person about <laughs> not doing that so i was like oh my god no you know uh but that's just a very narrow and personal thing that i have about this song and i like the idea that it you know that it that it means more than one thing well uh, but course. i do think like again contemporary resonance i think we all are having this reckoning like are we too hard on ourselves there's a heightened recognition okay. there's a heightened recognition of people's uh, self-awareness sure. and anxiety about themselves and how they fit in the world. So that's a very interesting, yeah. I appreciate you articulating your perspective on this song because I viewed it yeah. as uh, maybe, uh, someone talking, uh, one of you, I suppose, speaking to, uh, external, uh, failures, but you're, you're describing something that a lot of us are going through this sort of, what do they call it these yeah. days? Imposter syndrome these days. I think they've been imposter syndrome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. there's, there's yeah. stuff like that yeah. circulating. So there's a self awareness there is, I, I guess what you're saying. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say in general, John and I don't write broad social kind of crit- criticisms or, or, or analyses, you know, or we don't, we're not trying to and we tend to write. I mean, obviously, we're also not writing about our personal lives in an autobiographical way. Yeah, you know, yeah. We're kind of loath to try and write a confessional song, I would say. Um, I, not that I, I like I like it when other people do that, but I, I don't particularly want to do that myself. I love that. I also love that he throws a word doctrinaire in there just so casually. <laughs> He's the doctrinaire about keeping the kitchen counter clean. <laughs> I don't think he ever lets a mess ever, you know, like... <laughs> Pretty sure he left a pretty clean kitchen. So that is just hilarious to me when you look at the lyrics. I was I was actually just this morning listening to another one of the uh, podcasts uh, that these guys were on. There were a million of them. Uh, one that Flans was on and looking for an if day for Winnipeg quote from Flans. And he mentions just in general how when you write a song, typically if you take a song about anxiety or depression or a breakup or whatever – uh, you tend to exaggerate it for the entertainment value of the song. So that works especially here in that Linnell's saying, inspired by him leaving a mess in the kitchen, he writes this incredibly dark song about depression. I mean, he talks about how, well, there's a, <laughs> a line... I broke my own rule. Now I'm now I'm condemned to hell. Now I'm condemned to hell. Yeah, <laughs> leaving a mess in the kitchen. Holy cow, man! Being a bit hard on yourself. <laughs> and that's that's more than what most people say. They 
Raven with somebody, and then we'll say, I'm good Yes. <laughs> Again, right off the bat, hearing this song when it was released to the IFC, the first line, I'm like, this is classic Linnell. Everything's wrecked. Everything is wrecked. Smashed up, destroyed, Every- smashed up, and destroyed. Everything's wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> and destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's ridiculous, but like you love it. I love it. Right? <laughs> love it. Uh <laughs> classic Linel. This is as bad as bad as it gets. I lost the high ground, lost the high ground. The high ground being that his control over the kitchen. <laughs> the, just so many and one of the hard things to sing with this song that that kept me from being able to sing every word correctly back when the song first came out is all the repetition. And that's again, to fit into the rhythm. So I'm positive. He wrote the melody with his hands on a keyboard, then had to put words to it. And he's like, Oh shit, this is a really long scale wise, uh, melodic pattern. So just done in the first place, you know, I was like, it me, we ain't. I'd say maybe one thing I'm doctrinaire about is is keeping uh, clothes off of the floor. Underpants off the floor or something? Like, Keep your undies off the floor. Like men are trying to do or something. <laughs> no leg on which to on which to stand. So that's like you know grammatically that isn't normally how you put that statement but to fit with the rhythm abandoned by every every friend <laughs> another one of my favorite parts is where he kind of throws your expectation where he says climb climb to the top of the statue of and you're like he's going to say statue of liberty no he says climb to the top of the statue of freedom from gravity and yeah. you're at liberty to jump so he, he says statue it, of and then later says different liberty. <laughs> and it's really it's really like fascinating honestly so this kind of speaks directly to keeping a kitchen clean right jump from the top of the absence of responsibility <laughs> and float into the emptiness this song is great melodically lyrically i love everything about it there's there's nothing i have bad to say about this song and it really confuses me about I don't know how much you keep up with those damn survivor polls in the uh, the ship posting group. No, like this I, song, I, I, like, I'm not in the ship posting group at all. I okay, yeah. Remove myself. He used to go because it made me so upset because I couldn't take how people were so disrespectful toward just the mm-hmm. music. You know, like. Yeah, this that kind of shit posting trolling stuff is kind of like, well, are you really a fan of this band or what? And I think it comes across as pretty negative a lot of the time if you don't get the joke. But these survivor polls, people it's put funny like from time to time, but usually it's just it hurts. It hurts a lot. You know, so I broke my own rule. Ended up like third to last on the book Survivor. I'm like, you guys are fucking. What are you talking about? This song is amazing. Um, but as far as getting criticized for scale-wise motion, when I was looking at the, I don't scroll YouTube comments a whole lot. Typically, they're very dumb. Um, 
But I was just looking. I'm like, what are other people saying about I Broke My Own Rule outside of this relatively small group of fans that I know and that I interact with on social media? And overall, the the comments were very positive. But one thing that was brought up a bunch was, isn't this from Built to Scale? I'm like, what's Built to Scale? You mean Built to Spill? No, it's, what's Built to Scale? And uh, I was too old to be getting a Nintendo DS. I guess that's not true. I was getting out of buying every video console uh, by the time the Nintendo DS handheld came out. But there is a game uh, or a series of games called Rhythm Heaven, which I want to see if there's anywhere you can play them just online with like an emulator. Because uh, it's all these kind of music-based games. Um, and there is a level on Rhythm Heaven um called built to scale and i'm gonna play a little clip of that right here So this built to scale, it, it does these kind of half scales and it goes in a rhythm of, you see these little cubes that are rolling and you have to like stick a little dowel rod through the hole in these little cubes, uh, you know, in rhythm. And it's going with that, not a triplet feel, but the dotted quarter, dotted quarter, eighth. I don't, I don't think it's that close to the time. It's got a cool sound to it. Yeah, it's doing that kind of quarter, quarter, eighth rhythm over, I you know, I thought there was something else that made it seem, like, closer. But, no, I, I, I've watched that, like, four times now. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was kind of funny observation from some people. A, a bunch far, of people I, brought I, it up. I, just, I thought it, it seemed, like, closer because I actually made a playlist. Yeah, what do you got? There's like a thing on my my Spotify. I'm pulling up. I I said like I thought the nightgown saw a moon was similar to the song. Even oh now, okay, just because of the the like um, the way that the the chords cascaded and everything. I love nightgown and saw a moon. That's one of my favorite B sides from that early era. Should we get to the cover section? I guess so. Yeah. So Daryl was the first person in the world to cover this song. He uh, did uh, uh, the same kind of and trick Darryl's that Daryl's awesome. Daryl's awesome. Me, Daryl, Carrie, and Kai covered the entire John Linnell Roman songs uh, EP and called it Roman Covers. And we we pulled the same trick where we had it for the IFC. We figured out our covers. We recorded them all. So and but they were so secret to the IFC. You must be thinking of some other band and all that. Uh, so once, as soon as that EP hit the public 
the public's uh, consumption. We released the covers EP the same day as people were hearing these songs for the first time. And Daryl did the same thing with I Broke My Own Rule because it was out for a month uh, for us IFC people. He learned it, recorded it, and then June when it came out, he released it. So <laughs> let's check that out. It's on his. It's been on his SoundCloud since June. <clears throat> I'm going to play the whole thing. Uh, because it's Daryl and I broke my own rule. Astral B is his SoundCloud name. So look that up and let's listen. Everything's wrecked. Everything is wrecked. Smashed up, destroyed, smashed up and destroyed. I broke my rule. I broke my own rule. Now there's no rules, no rules. There's no rules anymore. As bad as bad as it gets I lost the high ground, lost the high ground I broke my rule, I broke my own rule I've got no one, no one else, no one else to blame What happens when, happens when the, when the freedom, freedom you want, you want to have, to have Comes at, comes at a cost, a cost you can't can't afford to pay All is lost, all is lost, all is lost Not a shred of, not a shred of hope I broke my rule, I broke my own rule Now I'm condemned to hell, now I'm condemned to hell Climb to the top of the Statue of Freedom from Gravity and you're at liberty to jump from the top of the absence of responsibility and float into the emptiness. So what do you think about this cover? I, I, I dug it. You know, like um, I thought that it was interesting because um, it had most of the vibes of the original song, but it also mm-hmm. had like a little bit of like uh, UK vibes. 
Oh yeah, UK. <laughs> How when they <laughs> when they say cant and it sounds like cunt. Yeah, yeah, cunt, cunt. Trying not to make fun of you, Daryl. No, I love the the classiness he brings to it. Uh, I don't know if you heard his British little critter cover, oh, like kind it's of fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing. British take on Wicked Little Critter. Um, yeah, he has accordion and piano. And he even does the reverse reverb. Does that a British accent at all? Yeah. Does he even know what a British accent means? Is? Well, <laughs> when it's the way you normally talk, you don't consider it an accent, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, no, uh, we don't normally talk in a British accent. We know what it yeah. is, but if you're, you know, from Europe, you might not know what American accents are. Like, like Right, the different accents. Like, people yeah. used to give me... Uh, people used to laugh at my Chicago accent, but I think that's kind of worked its way out a little bit as I spent almost half my life. Right, I spent almost half my life in uh, Indiana at this point. Started saying y'all at some point along the line. So, <laughs> so uh, Daryl's cover, being that it doesn't have percussion, um, it doesn't get as much of that uh, polyrhythmic feel as the original. Now, he is still playing the you know, quarter notes mainly on the piano and singing over top of that. He kind of straightens the rhythm out a little bit more, though. You don't get as much of a triplet feel. Uh, it, it adjusts more to kind of the quarter, quarter, eighth thing. But it still is super cool, and I love it. And, Daryl, I love you, man. You're awesome. Yeah, no, the, the thing is, all, all the covers are totally different. So Yeah, let's, like, let's listen to Noah's. Noah Daniel and Daryl are battling it out for who has the most covers on this podcast. And... Noah actually sent me two. He sent me like his first take, maybe, which you were referring to yeah. before. Um, but we'll we'll play just the one his his final attempt at it. Yeah, which is him uh, with guitar. We get a lot of accordion from him uh, and some electric guitar. But this is just a, a cool kind of acoustic guitar ditty from Noah. Let's check it out in full because it's Noah. He did it just for us. Everything's wrecked. Everything is wrecked. Smashed up, destroyed, smashed up and destroyed I broke my rule, I broke my rule Now there's no rules, no rules, there's no rules anymore This is as bad, as bad as it gets I lost the high ground, lost the high ground I broke the Float into the emptiness 
So yeah, you, you've you've alluded to it, but uh, further thoughts on on Noah's? I mean, I just I thought it was interesting to um, <laughs> he wanted to transpose everything to make it so he could sing it properly and everything. So, <laughs> I don't mention that otherwise. Um, yeah, yeah, he changed it to G yeah. major instead of C. Well, so he, he know, bumped would, it down significantly. I don't do that with anything I began a song. I don't give a shit. I'm just like, I'll throw it in any, any key, and I don't even know what key I'm throwing it into. Ah! Ah! Over there. Ah! Uh, yeah, I love Noah's because, yeah, those C7s, he does some other kind of like jazzy sounding stuff. Um, and like you mentioned before, the the push and pull of the tempo, he he's not really too concerned with locking in to a very straightforward four four. Um, it's kind of it's it's a little it's a little bit lugubrious. Oh, uh, that time, three time, three time, three time. That's what he kept saying over. Yeah, over yeah, again. yeah. Listen, Noah, he's kept saying, "Oh, he's playing free time." Yeah, yeah. And I, I wouldn't quite say it's free time. I mean, it's definitely still in 4-4, but the push and pull of the tempo is really the big uh, thing here. And I think it works great. I mean, it's surprising that it works so well because it's a song that seems so built upon these polyrhythms and locking in the rhythm section and locking in the syncopation it, over top. It, like it works so well. It's a song where everything is all over the place. So. Mm-hmm. Nice job, Noah, once again. Thank you so much for the custom cover and i bet he'll he'll put it up on his soundcloud at some points he's takahiro 24 on soundcloud now the the final cover is by me featuring my three-year-old zinnia kicking it off uh let's uh let's check it out (laughs) Yeah. 
yeah, we were down here just messing around with the MIDI keyboard and the microphone, and I was putting on reverb and stuff. Like, listen, that sounds like you're in a cave. And so, yeah, I, I had her say hey, a bunch of stuff, you know, and the oh yeah, hey, it was so I, cute. I'm right over here in like cave country. Oh, cave country. Into a cave. I might even be in the cave that Johnny Cash had his fucking religious experience in. Maybe it'll help turn around shit for you too, and it'll be the cave that 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 gets you to finally stop drinking. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> so, what do you think of my cover? Do you like it? Yeah, of course I loved it. I'd never done a techno song before, and I think some techno oh, purists should be like, "That's like, not techno." Some crazy bastard wants to hit me, but like, wait for <laughs> It was fun just fooling around with uh, just pure MIDI keyboard. I didn't bust out my Juno 60 at all. I was just like, I just want to get this done as quickly as possible. And I was thinking, because we were supposed to record this a couple of weeks ago and it's been pushed. I was like, oh, I'll just do this real quick. But then when I ended up having extra time, I'm like, you know what? This is pretty fun. This. Like, we actually have to fucking do this. I know. I'm so glad we're finally doing it. So I was like, oh, I'll spend a little bit more time on this. I was debating about it being instrumental at first because it was so fun just figuring it out. Because a lot of tech- techno is instrumental or it has minimal vocals. Um, but so uh, the whole song has keyboard melody throughout. I did the whole thing just instrumental first. And I'm like, I love singing this song. Um, and it does have a lot of verses. So I'm like, you got to get those lyrics in there to mix it up. Uh, so I decided to sing over it too. Puts any at the beginning, just messing around with MIDI keys, uh, you know, adjusting the tones. And then the robot voice, Zinnia's favorite part. She was down here just messing around and playing in the basement. The yeah. And then uh, the thing, uh, it was called like octave bass or something, which you'll hear one in each ear if you're listening on headphones, folks. We hear the, the little breakdown. And then the other side is. And it's just so fun playing around with that shit. People that have digital recording stuff know exactly what I'm talking you about. Know, you have no idea how much joy I get out of that. I have two stuff when I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, if my dad recorded music. He didn't, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's really cool that you do that with your, you know, your little girls. You know? <laughs> they might remember it, but you have like videos of them doing it. Right? Yep. I, yeah. I put up a video of her up <laughs> on the mic. She, <laughs> she's like, show them when, when they're old enough to even remember, they can go, oh my God. They're gonna, yeah. You all have to realize that there's going to be a point in your life. Your daughters get really fucking embarrassed by you. Yep. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're gonna be like, <laughs> they're gonna love you. They're gonna be like, my dad is the coolest guy on the face of the earth. <laughs> we'll see. Oh my god, my dad sucks. Like you. <laughs> I'll make sure to show all these videos <gasps> to her future uh, romantic interests. <laughs> it's That's totally what my fucking friend Jason has been going through for a few years. He had yeah. a, he had a band. With his daughter, I can see some videos. <laughs> Just did. yeah. But they used to have a band together. And That's so fun. Yeah, sugar's sugar skull explosion. Sugar skull explosion. That's great. Oh, I guess the one other little uh, Easter egg in that cover um, is uh, so rather than messing around with the reverse reverb, there's plenty of reverb, but I didn't do any of that reverse stuff. Instead, I saved the one little vocal manipulation for the very last verse. I reversed 
my singing. I didn't do still loop style and learn how to sing it backwards. I took each phrase individually and flipped it backwards so you get some of that creepy devilish uh, backwards. And then it makes it descending instead of ascending. Yeah. Um, flipping the melody around. I didn't flip the whole verse. I tried that first. But then I decided to flip each individual phrase so that everything's wrecked. I flipped that. And then the smash up destroyed. I flipped that. And then the... Um, what is that last one? Yeah, I broke my rule. I broke my own rule. So um, weird. Yeah. And flip that. So I that was fun. It was a lot of fun making that. I'll tell you, it's I'm really happy with how that came out. And and playing around in different genres is always a big inspiration to me. Uh, and I just went with it, and it was a lot of fun. So I'm gonna put that up on the Bandcamp. Uh, in the miscellaneous trash album so people can go look for that you can stream it and download it for free but i think i will also do it i'm trying to do one more push for garrett now that he is not completely in the clear but a few months out from the end oh, of his chemo it, treatment everybody buy so, that that freaking buy buy the compilation do a, buy purple yeah. toupee if you already have it buy this song uh for whatever price you want and i will give it over to garrett's mom uh to help them through this last push of his treatments which ain't cheap insurance or not but no yeah so it's time to score this song what do you think uh, i i I just gotta say (laughs) also i i want to say that like um Mm -hmm. that just working on the song for garrett and everything has been like a really big drive for me when i've been struggling and thinking about like do i even want to live you know like, your cover came out great i don't have brain cancer <laughs> yeah yeah no, but, you know. but i'm helping someone who does yeah so yeah. please it, it really puts things in perspective when you know we've all got our issues to work through and our hardships but then when you see you know a kid who's uh you know 11 turned 12 and he's going through something like that it really puts it in perspective so yeah i'm really glad to have you as part of that last wave your cover got played on the last wave episode which was last fall so people can go listen to it there um in full it is not on streaming yet it will be soon but it's a it was a charity push so um should be on streaming maybe by the time this episode comes out but you should all go buy it anyway by the download everybody should just go buy the the thing anyway yeah for fuck's sake Double go, disc. Go buy the compilation. It's totally worth it. Every amazing. So many people made amazing covers. Yeah, they put them on so an good. album. Like, just go buy them. Buy it. If you came want to be giants and and you want to be a nice person, like, <laughs> boom. And not not to mention, yeah, the quality and the big names that are anyone who's into punk and indie, especially. You got Mustard Plug, you got Bob Nana from Braid, uh, Pet Cemetery, Franz Nikolai from The Hold Steady, uh, podcast listeners of My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Justin McElroy does a does. They'll need a crane, and I uh, accompany him, which was cool. Uh, yeah, so people go grab that at this might be a podcast.bandcamp.com. If you already have it, grab my uh, covers of Icky and this song, which came out uh, just. I'll put it up there today, and if you decide to buy them. Uh, let's do it for free, but if you decide to buy them, uh, all that will go to Garrett, too. So, um, what are you scoring this song? Uh, oh, wow. I, you know I'm terrible at this, but... Um, it's tough. I, it's I tough. think the song is probably like a solid, solid like, seven. Seven. Okay. All right. I see how it is. 
<laughs> like it's something to eat. Does it maybe have some negative connotations for you since of, of, of the timing that it came out? It's just it's like I, it's a lot of stuff, you know. Sure. Like, it's not a ten out of ten. I say seven or eight somewhere in there. Well, for me, it is almost a 10 out of 10. It's my favorite song on book. Really? Uh, it's one of my... F- yep. I'm giving it a 9.5. And people should leave voicemails and write me. Do you? How much do you yeah. hate this song? Yeah. Hey, you're all wrong. Please tell me how wrong <laughs> I am. I want everyone to tell me. Yep. I want everyone to yell at me. Yeah, write to me at this might be a pod at Gmail or yeah, get that yelling on a voicemail at two two four eight zero one two nine three zero. You got any plugs for the people other than our purple toupee stuff, your track there? You wanna promote your band camp? No, put out a new album like I hope to. <laughs> um I I hope to put out a new album this the beginning of this year. Do it. Um, what? Is that going to be on donutshopdeath.bandcamp.com? It's like donutshopdeath, yeah. Yeah, donutshopdeath.bandcamp.com. That was going to be where it came out at, but it didn't come out. But there might be new songs coming out soon. Like, I yeah. did write songs, so I might record them and, and post them and stuff. So, like, don't I'm excited to check it out. If you it. haven't checked it out before, definitely check it out now. Yeah, a lot of content on there. Already, right there. Donutshopdeath.bandcamp.com So, yeah, uh, people can go... uh, If you want to be a lovely Patreon subscriber, like Mari has been almost since day one... uh, and you're you're the best you're the best people and if you want to also be the best people you can go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast help me make it worth all the time i spend on this thing a lot of work on this podcast i just want to like say you you do amazing work thank you um you deserve to get at least paid with (laughs) us us fools that pay you each month. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I broke you, it down you, once. You are, you are way too hard. We don't pay you enough. That's all I I can only estimate the amount of time I spend, and depending on what episode I have, you know how difficult the edit is. But I broke it down, and I'm about at minimum wage right now. Yeah. So if I broke it down, my hours way. for how much I make on Patreon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, people. Tony Maymone, T- Tony Maymone, and Brian Doherty, former. Rhythm section of the Mumpy Giants do a cover, a very loosely inspired cover that is amazing of minimum wage on Purple Toupee as well. So with that, Mari, thank you so much for being on. I'm glad you finally got to do another, you know, regular episode where everyone can hear the whole thing. So thank you. It was awesome. It was awesome just to hang out and, and do everything. Like I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a place I want to be. Thank you, the Mumpy Giants fans. Like yes. I love the community, and I love all the nice people that I've gotten to meet, uh, yourself being one of the most special. So I think that'll do it. And uh, like I said before, you have a lot of other songs still on the spreadsheet, so y'all y- be hearing from uh, Mari again. So uh, with that, we will call it a day. Ah! We did it! 